Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. As always, I am Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen to that on the regular, go over to the A to Z Sports Nashville, uh, A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. I messed that up. The A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple and Spotify and the A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel. But when you go to those places, rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe. Because if you do subscribe, you won't miss our shows when we post them on Mondays. And speaking of Mondays, go to YouTube right now and be a part of the show. Subscribe, hit that notification bell, hit that thumbs up button, do all the YouTube stuff. And if you do that and you hang out with us on Mondays at 7 you can be a part of the show. Drop in with your comments. We love responding to the comments uh, and, and having everybody weigh in. It's always great to do that. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at AZ Sports, A to Z Sports.com, for all the stuff that Zach writes on the old internet. And it's about to heat up, boy. The season is a mere four, right? Four weeks away, I believe. Or are we within four weeks? I'm think. Am I thinking right? I believe Four, Saturday. Five. We're right in there. Five? Is it five weeks from this past Saturday and we're whatever it is? It's oh so close. <sighs> Practice starts this coming week, but we aren't there quite yet. We're trying. Get me there, somebody. I feel like, is it uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in that Wolf of Wall Street meme where he's he's on drugs, crawling towards the Lamborghini? I'm like, <laughs> I gotta make it. We're, we're going to try. We're going to get you there. Uh, we got another great show lined up for everybody tonight, but what is up, Zach? Yeah, it really was kind of the calm before the storm a little bit, like the wind started blowing a little bit from, from SEC media days, kind of gave everybody the fever. There's a little bit of calmness the week after, not a whole lot going on, but yeah, this week it really, really kicks up a notch. And pretty much once camp starts and practice gets going, and you get these practice reports and and people talking to the media, it's it's pretty much a full go. You're just waiting on the games to start, but there's action happening nearly every day, so it's a really exciting time of year. And I mean, you got a team coming in to compete for a championship. I mean, they're not the front runners, but oh. this team is out there saying they're competing for a national championship. So how exciting is that? Just it's, it's been a long time since Tennessee really went into a season. You know, even last year, we didn't talk about a championship at all. We were talking about, what, like eight and five? It's been, I guess, since 2005, which didn't turn out that well, and they were preseason number three since we went into a season, with you know, cheering for a Tennessee team that, that had high goals and high aspirations. So it's uh, really exciting to be back in this position. I mean, we felt this way – in recent years with basketball, with baseball, we've had this uh, this kind of feeling. But, man, it's, it's just different with football. It just feels so much I, – I, I don't know. 
what what's the right word there? Just more high stakes. I mean, it's it's the it's the sport here. Let's you know, don't beat around the bush. We all know it. Football is what pays the bills in the SEC and Tennessee as of right now. Uh, in unless the unless this is all a again, what's the right word? Fugazi. <laughs> unless this team is not as good as we think they're going to be, uh, then I, I mean we're lined up for an exciting season and. Uh, we're going to talk about all of it here as we approach the season, obviously, on the Big Orange Podcast. But I, I like Nugs here in the comments. He's setting me up for a nice little promo before we get into the show. He said, what's up, dudes? How about them balls? And how about our boy, Bennett Warren? Funny you should mention Bennett Warren. We are going to talk all about Tennessee recruiting, rising up the ranks, grabbing Bennett Warren out of the clutches uh, of some other huge programs. And, I mean, just a, a really big uh, recruit there. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a little segment where Zach has has some stuff, has some hashtag content lined up that I don't know about. He's when we're gonna he's gonna have me sort of react to it live. I'll see what he has to say. Where it's a uh, two things Tennessee must do to win a championship this season, uh, and so he's going to reveal those at the end of the show. But first, Jalen Hyatt is just blowing it up. And I mean, we're not going to go deep on like New York Giants football, but it's a tough day for the a few folks uh, in terms of critics of Heifel's offense, critics of Jalen Hyatt. We're going to talk about all of that right after I tell you about our first amazing sponsor of the show, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Uh, get yourself a new health plan. Support them because they support the boys here on the Big Orange Podcast. All right. So Jalen Hyatt goes out. In uh, the first week of Giants camp. And we even had this conversation after the season was over for, for Tennessee. Jalen Hyatt wins the Blitnikoff Award. And the conversation around that was, well, it should it should have been Marvin Harrison Jr. Or it, it, it should have been. You know, there was a lot of people that were spouting off their mouth. And even, even Zach and I. Obviously, we were so hyped for Hyatt and is so amazing. And I, you know, I won't back down. Hyatt was the best wide receiver in America last year. Um, but we even talked about was he the best NFL ready wide receiver coming out last year? And I think both of us were kind of the take of like, he's probably not the exact build you'd want for an NFL guy. And let's preface this entire conversation by saying the man has not played an NFL game yet. But I can put it this way. He already looks better than I think a ton of people thought he may ever look, if that makes sense. Uh, and contested catches, crazy speed. I believe, was this confirmed ever, Zach? But someone said that he ran the fastest mile miles per hour of any wide receiver in NFL history. It was like 23.9 miles per hour before he ran 24. Some wild stuff coming out from Jalen Hyatt at, at uh, Giants camp this week, Zach. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about the whole 
miles per hour thing as far as if it's an NFL record or not. Because if you go try to find some of that information, it can be all over the place and there's lots of different sources. So everybody kind of has a different, you know, take on that or a different source on that maybe, but he's in the conversation, right? Like he's in that neighborhood of Tyree kill type speed. I mean, that's to even be in that conversation. There's, there's not many people on this planet that they can find themselves in that conversation. So that's certainly the speed is as advertised, especially after he had that, you can't say slow 40 time, but slower than we expected. You're in a four, four at, at the combine, but he was dealing with a little hamstring injuries. So that was a, a big reason why that was the case. And the field, you know, the on field speed, We've seen it in Tennessee. We know it's legit. We saw him run past SEC defensive backs all season last year. But as far as his camp performance, you know, he kind of started a little slow there in OTAs, to be expected. I mean, he's three years removed from high school. A uh, lot to learn, obviously, coming from the college game to the NFL. But you can tell he's put in the work and come back. As soon as training camp kicked off, he's quickly started earning first-team reps when he was pretty much just running with the third team during OTAs. Saw a clip of him today staying after practice, working with Daniel Jones. He's running routes. It's not just deep. Th- I mean, they're using him on end rounds. There are deep shots, of course. They're obviously going to use that. That's a big part of why they took him. But you've seen clips of him running some of these little out routes and different routes and good footwork, getting his feet down inbounds type stuff. So he's showing that he can beat a total package. I'll always be a little nervous about him with just his frame. And that's any wide receiver that that size. He's like a Deshaun Jackson, Devontae Smith, kind of of that mold. Those guys have certainly dealt with injuries through their football careers, and hopefully high it won't, but that's always a concern when you when you take a guy like that. But he's definitely climbing the depth chart faster than I expected and, and really showing out. It's not that I didn't think he would. Just, you never know how a player's going to adjust to the NFL, and that's not just somebody coming from Tennessee. That's any of these guys. I mean, we've seen tons of really good wide receivers come out of college just failed to make an impact in the NFL. I mean, like Justin Blackman years ago with the Jaguars, I believe he was a top five pick. Uh, was it Troy Williamson? I believe came out of South Carolina. Or it's just been a, a multitude of of different wide receivers selected, even in the top ten. And and they they either they're a bust or maybe it takes them a couple of years, like Traylon Burch with the Titans, for example. I mean, you remember last year's struggles in training camp. It seems like Hyatt's not having, you know, some of the issues that a lot of those guys have, showing that maybe he should have been a first-round pick. I think there's a couple things here. I think one is that it's very clear that he is just a genuinely hard worker because some mentality changed in him before the 2022 season because the reports were he was pretty close to transferring. He It just wasn't working out. He wasn't making it into the rotation, wasn't playing the amount that he wanted to. And he just put his nose to the grindstone, got that opportunity when Cedric Tillman went down last season and then just obviously blew the top off the place. And now, yeah, I mean, I I think it did start slow in OTAs and, and then maybe he heard that criticism during the combine and he's put in this work and all of a sudden he's rising up and doing first team reps with the Giants. That's that's one piece of it. But then, and I think this was sort of the main crux of the conversation here, is that at what point do we kill off the, does Heupel's offense prepare people for the NFL? Because, yeah, I mean, you could say that enough hasn't been done yet, and I think that's fair to like, enough hasn't been done yet to prove that out. But does it take a guy like a Hyatt 
having a, a major career does it take a guy like Hayden Hooker having a major NFL career? Does it take what what are we talking here? Because it, it does seem like obviously it'll get you to the NFL. I think that's without question. That's proved itself out completely. Um, you know, just a whole bunch of NFL picks already for Hypel. But where where do we go? Where where does that narrative end? Because it feels like it's still just always hanging around, no matter how many of these examples happen. Uh, I guess does it take some killer going into the NFL and and making a name for themselves? I I don't know. Yeah, I think that's what it'll take. I mean, you don't really hear that about the air raid offense as much anymore after Patrick Mahomes, you know, yep. went from Texas Tech and is the best player in the world. Right now, you don't really hear that narrative as much anymore. So I, I imagine it'll take Hendon Hooker, you know, thriving with the Detroit Lions or Jalen Hyatt, or Cedric Tillman, really breaking out as wide receivers in the NFL. If that happens and one of those guys, you know, reaches superstar status, like if one of them becomes like a Jamar Chase type guy in their rookie season or second season, I think all those uh, conversations will end pretty quickly. And really, if you think about it, there's not a whole lot of basis for it. I mean, right, like every college offense is pretty, as far as the way they get their play calls in, we saw Kentucky huddle a lot last season. And it wasn't very, it hurt Will Levis, who's a talented player, but some question marks about his, you know, different things. I know we had a good day at Titans camp today, but that offense did not do him any favors in college at all. Uh and you see these offenses at Alabama, you know, they're calling all their plays in from the sideline, just like Tennessee is. And I heard Jamar Gibbs uh, running back from Alabama, drafted in the first round by the Lions. Just yesterday on Sunday, he talked about, yeah, it was a big adjustment coming from college, going to the NFL. He's like, I was used to the no huddle, getting the plays from the sidelines, using the signals. It's an adjustment to go from that to huddles and play calls and all this. So it's not just, Tennessee's players have to make an adjustment when they get to the NFL. It's pretty much college players as a whole, unless you're coming from you know, one of those Iowa type offenses that that's just kind of like you know, huddle and run as much time off the clock as possible. Or what we saw with Kentucky last season, which again was not very effective at all and didn't lead to many wins for them. Unless you come from that, you're going to have to make those adjustments to the terminology and the way that the calls are handled. But these are smart football players. These are guys that are studying they're being coached by people that have NFL experience or have been around the NFL. Joe Milton mentioned that last week at, or a week before at SEC Media Days. They've got some people on staff that maybe aren't as front-facing in the program on the coaching staff that have, have NFL experience. They kind of help these guys along with those things. I mean, they're preparing them in ways – it's not just what you see on the field. There are conversations and meetings happening with Josh Heupel and these quarterbacks where, yeah, they are preparing them for the NFL in various ways. They are helping them understand what they're going to face in the NFL. So it's not – it's like it's just this completely new world that everybody likes to make it out to be. And nobody in the NFL seems to have an issue with it. We've heard Brian Dable multiple times now talk about the offense that Jalen Hyatt played in at Tennessee is not a big deal. I mean, Dable knows Josh Heupel has known him for quite some time, said this week that he didn't really think it's that different. You know, he said he knows a lot of people have that that kind of uh, perception of it, but everybody's offense is a little bit different. Everybody's. But in the grand scheme of things, he doesn't think it's all that different from what he runs in the NFL. So once you hear that conversation or that comment, what else can you really say about it? Yeah, exactly. And if and if a dude is good, he's he's good. Like nobody looks at Mike Matthews that Tennessee just picked up on the recruiting trail 
and goes, oh, because he's going to play in Josh Heupel's offense, there's no way he's going to be NFL ready. No, he looks like an absolute dude. Shut up. And I'm not, not that obviously I'm attacking a person that doesn't exist when I say that. And if they do exist, they're an idiot. Like these, if you have the talent that's NFL talent, I mean, it's, it's always apparent and it, it just, yeah, it, it can affect how prepared you are overall sometimes, but you know, if guys are going to be great, they're going to be great. And honestly, I, to the narrative that like Heupel doesn't help guys get to the NFL, as I said, that's that has to be dead at this point. He's getting guys to the NFL, a ton of guys, more guys than I definitely thought he would get to the NFL in the first two years of his time at Tennessee. No doubt about that. And so I, yeah, it's it's high time that one of these guys breaks out uh, and and just ends that narrative altogether. It feels like it's coming. It definitely feels like it's coming. If it's not one of these dudes that's already in the league from from Michael's offense, I, I think there's some guys on this team that it could be. I mean, in in the we had some comments here. I mean, Nugs mentioned Cedric Tillman, could be Darnell Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we we had some back and forth. I, I also like this from Nugs. He said, "Seriously, congrats to Will Levis. He doesn't have too many good <laughs> days." <laughs> ah, as a very cynical Titans fan at the moment, that does make me laugh uh but i yeah i'm i'm just tired of it and i'm glad that uh the the uh the set of folks that were in that oh jalen hyatt can't make a contested catch camp we're having a tough day yesterday i i just love seeing that and keep it up young man you're you're doing great and i'm happy to see it and now just take into the season let's actually do this but uh before we move on to recruiting is that anything else with with hypo's offense for you no, I mean, I, I'm like you. It, it, it's almost it, it's been discussed ad nauseum at this point. There's not much else we can say about it. Uh, hopefully, some of the stuff with Hyatt and the positive stuff coming out will, you know, cause a lot of it to cease. It, it all comes from mostly, you know, some writers and some media out there that like to pile on Tennessee at times, and then opposing schools that are trying to recruit against Tennessee. I mean, we we saw Kirby Smart all but call out. Tennessee's quarterbacks earlier this spring with some of his comments. Uh, we we all knew who that was directed at, what style of offense it was directed at. And, you know, that that's the type of stuff that Josh Heupel and them are having to deal with. And it makes recruiting kind of difficult for them when you're still trying to prove yourself, trying to prove that you belong among the elite programs in the country, trying to pick up recruiting. You, you, know, you know you have to do it at a high level. When you have those roadblocks, you got to knock them out of the way. They're slowly doing that. They got the NCAA stuff out of the way. They're starting to get this stuff out of the way. It should only help recruiting more. Yeah, to that point, Ben Hall says it was very obvious that Hypo was referring to the Georgia staff when he was talking about negative recruiting on the Vol system. I and and negative recruiting, not just for that, negative for the system, but negative recruiting against the NCAA stuff. Thankfully, that's out mm-hmm. of the way. You you gotta go beat this clown. Uh and, yeah. and that's high time. Cause I I mean, I do think there is a a serious, serious contentious rivalry between Heupel and, and Kirby to be had there if Heupel can beat Kirby. Uh, I think Kirby knows that's the one threat right now in the SEC East to him. And really moving forward, once the divisions are gone, if for now, it feels like you kind of have this big four of Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Tennessee. Now, obviously, Florida's going to try to get into that. Texas A&M, maybe Ole Miss, some other programs, South Carolina, they're going to try to you know, bust that up and get in there themselves. But for now, 
it seems like those four, well, Georgia especially, you know, Georgia, then Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, like those four have kind of separated themselves from the rest of the SEC a bit. And Tennessee is the one, you know, a lot of recruits, you know, Tennessee's dipping into Georgia, getting more recruits. Georgia's still winning more of those battles than Tennessee, but Tennessee's starting to get a few, starting to make Georgia have to work a little harder. You can definitely sense that that rivalry is about to kick up a notch between Tennessee and Georgia. And maybe if Florida regresses, it'd be kind of wild to see that Georgia-Tennessee matchup become kind of a, the more marquee game that people get excited about. What I would give for Tennessee to put themselves right up there in the playoff conversation and to have Florida just crash and burn. Oh, what a day. I mean, even it, it would bring me a lot of joy to see that happen to South Carolina, but they, I mean, they just stunk for so long that it's not as satisfying. You know, T- Tennessee's beaten South Carolina more than they've lost to them. Even, I guess, one of, did they go 500 against Spurrier or something? But, uh, I mean, yeah, Florida, it's, it's time. It's time to, to take Tennessee's, to take it back from Florida. Uh, but, Speaking of, I, I wanted to, I didn't make the transition I wanted to there, but that's okay. Speaking of, recruiting, yeah, a little riled recruiting. up about Florida. It happens. <laughs> it, it does happen. I'm so nervous about that game, dude. Me too. Uh, oh, this it's going to be. Hmm. You can lose to Alabama. You don't, I mean, you don't want to lose at Alabama, but that's understandable, right? Especially if it's close. You oh. have to beat Florida on the road. Like, this is such, this is oh. the one that you, you got to have it. Like, there's nothing, there's no, there's no, Losing by one point down there or something that does not does nothing for me at all. That's a bitter disappointment. I'd rather get blown out. I think. I mean, you have to win that game. It's such such a must win. One of our our friends, should I say former friends, had the audacity to schedule their wedding on the day of the Florida game. Oh wow! I will not be going. So, <laughs> and that's not even a joke. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I, I will not be there. <laughs> I, I got. I will be broadcasting with Jonathan Crompton. Uh, it, at least as of right now, I guess that hasn't been like officially announced. Crompton's a head coach of, of a football team now. No, but, uh, I I believe it. I believe it's all happening. So I'm, I've, I've mostly I've not to get too far off on this, but I've mostly been able to avoid the fall wedding thing for the most part. I do remember having to watch the. Or trying to watch the the Akron floor as Akron, I think in uh, 2012 in Hilton Head at a wedding, like on my phone, trying to get. It was back when the internet wasn't nearly as good, and you couldn't couldn't stream stuff like you can now. It was very stressful. So, oh, we've all been there. Yeah. I, I I did it at one last year. It was a Sunday. I was streaming NFL games. We've all done it. Don't yeah. act like you haven't. Uh, all right, but. Speaking of recruiting, going all the way back, this was the transition I was going to make there from that comment. <laughs> We're going to talk about Tennessee having another huge win on the recruiting trail after Mike Matthews last week, Edwin Spillman. And now we got another. And we're going to talk about it right after I tell you about our next great sponsor, Superbook Sports. We're changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer at Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now... When you use the promo code A to Z, you score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code A to Z, A-T-O-Z. Download the Superbook Sports app. Enter the promo code A to Z and you'll get $250 courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Superbook Sports. Now, 
Tennessee is at a point on the recruiting trail where, much like the Florida game, I'm getting nervous because things are going well on the recruiting trail. Yeah, you lost out on Kai Bates last week, but that's it's not the end of the world. Uh, but this week, you win on Bennett Warren, who was a huge pickup figuratively and literally. Uh, offensive tackle, a four-star, a unanimous four-star across the board. Uh, on on three, this pickup vaulted Tennessee up to number six in the nation for this recruiting class. Giant pickup. Uh, your thoughts on this thing? Uh, I love, one, it's a great pickup. You go into Texas, you get a top five offensive tackle. I mean, that's absolutely massive. Those are the type of, of recruiting battles you have to win from time to time to have a championship caliber team. Sometimes the the right tackle of the future is not going to be in-state, or maybe it's not a guy that you can swipe from Georgia. The guy you need's in Texas, and they went down there and got him. Uh, part of the reason they were able to get him was because Bennett Warren was at the LSU-Tennessee game visiting LSU last season. And he was so impressed. He told VolQuest that uh, – let me find the, the quote here. He said, I learned that there were 30,000 Tennessee fans at that game. It was clearly visible. That whole side of Death Valley was covered in orange. The power tee was shown, and the music was blaring from their end. It was huge. He also uh, called it a beatdown, the game. So it's it's pretty hilarious that he was on a visit to LSU, and that's part of what helped sell him on Tennessee. So, I mean, that game, the scenes from that game, the orange in the end zone uh, when Jalen Hyatt you know catches that long touchdown pass from Hendon Hook, and it's just a sea of orange there that he kind of goes into the. I mean, that's a huge recruiting win for Tennessee right there, and it's showing up. And this is kind of what we talked about last season is how some of that stuff would show up in the 2024 class, and here it is showing up paying off uh, just shows how huge winning those games on the road in the SEC can be. And you get somebody that, you know, looks like a future, maybe first round pick. You've already proven that you can get a right tackle to the NFL drafted in the top 10 with Darnell Wright. Maybe they got another one here. Maybe. Uh, and this was a part of the recruiting class that I think some people were getting a little squirrely about. Mm -hmm. People like, okay, you just had Darnell Wright. I mean, literal top 10 pick. And why, how are we not landing these offensive linemen? And, you know, I, there's been a lot of talking points of like, oh, Tennessee doesn't run offense for serious offensive linemen because it's so quick and they don't get to really show their skills like they could on teams that are more, you know, slow, run heavy, yada, yada. Um, it's a stupid narrative, but it is a narrative that has been around nonetheless. And here you go. It's like Josh Heupel heard all of us talking. And he said bet and got himself a, a big time uh, offensive lineman here. I love this pickup. And it just continues on, on my narrative that has existed since really the Florida game this past year. That right now, the resurgence of Tennessee and the re-emergence of the power of this fan base. I mean, obviously, this fan base never went away. It's been incredibly loyal through some of the darkest times for this football program, but them showing off last season for the Florida game, for the Alabama game, for this LSU game, which was just ridiculous. I mean, how many times has that happened in SEC football at, at a place that's not Vandy? You know, yeah. everybody takes over Vandy Stadium. 
But I mean, in, in SEC football, that just does not happen where an opposing fan base comes in and just takes over your stadium. That's LSU, Death Valley. I mean, one of the most notorious stadiums in college football. And Tennessee fans went down there and took that place over to the point where a kid is visiting LSU. He's there to, to hang out with Brian Kelly and make TikToks or whatever Brian Kelly's doing down there. And, and he notices all the Tennessee fans. He goes, whoa, this is crazy. And these boys just kicked LSU's butt. And I, God, I love this so much. What a, what a great story to, for this kid and him committing to Tennessee now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, this fan base, you, you know, your, your tweets to recruits maybe are winning them over. And I'm, I'm still a, an ardent, like, let's not tweet at recruits type of guy, but showing off with massive, crazy crowds in Neyland stadium, showing off by traveling better than any fan base in America and taking over opposing stadiums is, is impressing these recruits. And it's really powerful. And, uh, I mean, obviously Hypel and his offense and everything sells this place easily, but fans, the Tennessee fan base and the craziness that it is just is such an added bonus. And it really, it really has value. Like don't sell yourself short there. And I love it. Um, and I, I, was it this week, Danny, Danny white, had some comment where he was like, the Tennessee fan base is more powerful than I realized. So I'm like, I saw that on a picture on Twitter. Yeah. I didn't know when he said that, but was that this week? Did yeah, you know I think he, yeah. I think he did an interview with Volquist where he made those comments, but he, I mean, he's wow. definitely right. I don't think you can understand it till you're really in it. And I don't know every college football ba- fan base, major college football fan base has passionate fans. So it's not a knock or this suggestion. I think every fan base thinks they have the best fans. So it's not like get into that type of battle. But he's right. I mean, the fans have shown up for 10 years, 15 years, just waiting for this type of stuff. And then you get 30,000 people to go to Baton Rouge, which is not an easy trip to make at all. I mean, it's not like just heading down to Atlanta to go to the, you know, a a game at at the Mercedes Dome or anything like that. I mean, it's a tough trip. So, yeah, I definitely think he's learned a few things about how passionate Tennessee fans are over the last two years. (laughs) There were just so many moments last year where you saw this fan base where you're just like, we were born for this. This this is what this fan base was made for. I mean, it's the, been this exact moment. It's been begging for something to be excited about, like that Alabama game, like the yeah. Florida game last season, oh. LSU, Clemson, even Kentucky. That I mean, what a what a better celebration of Halloween weekend that was than bringing out the black jerseys and you know rolling all over Kentucky, intercepting Will Levis a few times, and Jalen Hyatt running free into the end zone. I mean, it couldn't have been a better celebration of what the season was uh, that that fall Saturday night. I mean, that's what you have been dreaming of the last 15 years. Absolutely. Well, I actually like, don't usually love big 10 Jeff's comments, but here's one. <laughs> he said, your recruiting could be worse. You could be serving kids, kid cuisine to recruits like Michigan did. Uh, if you didn't see this, uh, there was a recruit that posted a picture from a Michigan recruiting trip, I guess. And he was like, here are the eats at Michigan acting like they were really great. And it was like a school cafeteria lunch. <laughs> chicken tenders, a plain hot dog, which looked like it came, you know, straight it was out of somebody's kitchen. Yeah. A boiled hot dog <laughs> with some mac and cheese. Was like, he got totally roasted for that. Had to, I mean, had to know that that was going to be the case. Right. I mean, that looked maybe terrible. he was an Ohio state psyop. He was in there <laughs> to, 
you, you know, I wonder there. if that happened. Like that has to happen some, right? Yes. I mean, as shady as the recruiting world can be and these backroom deals that we know go down, why would you not even if it if, even if it's not a coach putting you up to it? If you're committed to Ohio State and you're you're there's a few kids on that Michigan trip that you want to come to Ohio State or you just don't like Michigan, you don't know Ohio State, but you're going to go on that visit just kind of burn them like that i mean that has to happen every now and then i would think it it, it helps to make michigan uncool yeah it, it, seriously and it, jim harbaugh does a really pretty good does. job of that himself by the way <laughs> yeah yes he does he definitely does uh yeah i mean you, you think about the perception of like high school kids like i said this during the season you had like like morgan wallen and that chick from georgia making songs about Neyland Stadium and Tennessee and stuff. And it's like getting into the zeitgeist. And it's like, it made being a Tennessee fan look cool. All mm-hmm. of it. Obviously, you, you paired that with like the scene in the field at Alabama and all this stuff. And like, that's going to make kids want to go to the University of Tennessee recruits and, and primarily probably just students, which I think the school is super happy about because they get to raise enrollment and raise tuition and, you know, rents on those apartments on the strip go through the roof. But, uh, yeah, that that whole thing with with Michigan was funny, but I bet I bet that does happen. You look at the kid. What was it a few weeks ago? The kid that committed to Clemson and out of the blue, just like took a shot at Tennessee. Put what did he put a Tennessee hat on? Right. And oh then he yeah, yeah. Threw it and then put on a Clemson hat. You're like, what? This this didn't come from this kid because there was no reason to be malicious. This had to come from Clemson because they've been because frankly, Hypel has been kicking their butt on the field and on the recruiting trail so tennessee has in general with clemson the last little little while yeah well i'm at the baseball yes and man man, that's been fun it really has been it's been uh just a time of beating down clemson what what a time to be alive well anyway with recruiting zach before we move on to this final segment where i'm kind of gonna sight unseen react to some react to a hot take of yours uh anything else before uh, camp I mean, you starts, just, you just gotta hope hope they keep it up. I mean, it, it sounds like they're still in the mix for some of these bigger names. They got a few spots left to fill. Camarion uh, Franklin's one. It sounds like you know Williams Winery that they're maybe back in the mix for that a little bit. Yep. And we're Ron Wingo's still out there. Amari Jefferson is committing soon, and I saw Amari Jefferson do an interview with uh, Chattanooga Times Free Press where he talked about his family is going to have a big a big part in his decision. It's, it's kind of like them making the decision together, his parents. And if you're his parents, you know, Tennessee's a lot closer to home than Alabama. Does that play a factor? Uh, he want, he, he's pretty serious about playing baseball in college. Alabama's just went through a huge gambling scandal. I don't really know what all the deal with that is down there other than some people were fired, but does that impact his decision at all? You know, Tennessee baseball is definitely at a, in a better place than Alabama baseball. It'll be interesting to see how that one plays out, but you got to think there's a lot of things that are good for Tennessee in that battle that could swing it in their favor. I hope so, because uh, it's you're you're trending towards the top five class at the moment, which would be so wild, uh, and and just a beautiful cap on on really a beautiful cap on last year's season. Although I think to get a top five class, you will have to have a good 2023 season. Um, cause you saw the power of that a year ago when you impress recruits. I mean, we're just talking about it. <laughs> you impress recruits, even when you're on the road and, uh, and that can work miracles for your recruiting. So hopefully they can 
have a good season. Close out on this class big time. Uh, we shall see. But we're going to end the show with uh, Zach. You have two things that must happen or two things that Tennessee must do to win a championship in 2023. And I'll, I'll be interested to hear what you have to say right after I tell everybody about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. Nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory than a great whiskey. And I'm talking specifically about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Longstill Distillery has released a Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey, named after a long-forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version. They're both awesome. I've had both. Uh, not only do they taste great in cocktails and and uh, neat in a glass, the bottle also looks amazing. You can see it right there in the corner if you're watching on YouTube. You can find Rattle and Snap in stores across the state of Tennessee, but also in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. Run! Do not walk to go get yourself some Rattle and Snap whiskey for those Tennessee sports victories. I mean, the season's right around the corner. you got to go get yourself a bottle. Uh, Rattle and Snap. Follow them on Instagram, at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. Now, Zach, I'll throw it to you. What is the deal? What's what's your hot take that you want me to react to? I wouldn't I wouldn't call it too much of a hot take because I kind of been sitting on this, or not really sitting on it, just thinking about it a lot this off season. You know, Tennessee wants to win the SEC East. They've made that pretty clear. They came, they didn't come close last season, but they got themselves like in the conversation. They played games that mattered late in the season. They almost made the playoff, South Carolina game, whatever. It really came down to beating Georgia. And that's what they'll have to do this season, too, unless Georgia falters. But but they also got to take care of business in these other games. I mean, they got to beat Florida. Florida, they, they need to beat Alabama. They can probably afford one loss, maybe, and still win the East. At least get to a playoff, maybe, with one loss. They'll have a chance to win a championship if they just have one loss. So for that to happen, I think there's there's two things that Tennessee has to do well. And the first thing is Joe Milton, and it's not necessarily his passing. I feel pretty good about where that's at after the Clemson game last year and what we saw from him. But ultimately, the one thing in that Clemson game that we talked about at the time that just had to get better was his ability to extend plays with his legs, his ability to pick up yards when it matters. He's going to have to do that for Tennessee to win some of these games. There's going to be moments where it's third and 10, the play breaks down, and he's got to pick up those 10 yards. There's going to, you know, he's got to see those lanes better. I, I thought against Clemson, there's a few times he could have pulled it down and ran the ball instead of throwing it away and picked up maybe not 15 yards, but six, seven yards, a chunk of yards, and you put yourself in a better position to pick up a first down. I think if he does not improve in that area, no matter how good he is passing the ball, there's going to be regression at the quarterback position just because of how much Hendon Hooker was able to extend plays last season. He wasn't a run-first quarterback by any means. I mean, that's why he was a third-round draft pick in the NFL. He can throw the ball. He can read defenses. We know all this. But those moments where you had to have a guy make a play, he turned into an athlete, and he went out there and picked up those tough yards. So Josh Heupel's talked about it a little and said Milton's got better in that area. I mean, that you know, talk is talk until you hit the field in September. So we really have to see that for Milton. I think that is a must that has to happen. The other thing I think has to happen – I think you've got to have an edge rusher step up and be an elite guy, like a first-round talent edge rusher, because that's going to help the pass defense. If you have a guy that's a Will Anderson type of threat, you're you're dedicating more attention to that guy. Even if he's not getting home to the quarterback, it's opening up lanes for, for the rest of the defensive line to get to the quarterback. And, and I know they've made 
pressuring the quarterback with their front four a priority this offseason. It's part of why they brought in Robert Ayers, a former Tennessee defensive lineman as an assistant coach or off-field assistant, to really help in that area to help get after the quarterback because that's going to take a lot of pressure off of the, the secondary. It's, it's going to allow Tim Banks to be a little more judicious in the way that he uses his blitzes and surprise teams with when he does break them out, when he doesn't have to all the time. It just opens up so much more in that defensive playbook, but it's it's just hard for me to see them winning a championship unless they have a guy that's, I'm not going to say it has to be a Derek Barnett level, but it's got to be close to that. I mean, and, and maybe, you know, maybe that's Tyler Barron. I don't know. Maybe he breaks out. Maybe it's, a, maybe Caleb Herring comes up and just blows everybody away. Who knows? But they've got to have that guy step up to be that pass rushing threat, I think, if they want to have a legitimate chance to win a championship this season. I agree with both of those completely. Uh, yeah. Milton has to bring in that one element of his game that we haven't seen him excel at. I would give him not a full pass because, yeah, you are exactly right in that orange bowl. There were definitely some opportunities that he missed there, but I also think he just hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities because I think you look back at that Vandy game and I think they were in sort of like protect this man at all costs mode. <laughs> and it was raining. It was Joe raining Milton. that game too. Yes. Uh, I mean, you you did not have a backup at that point and it, it i thought it was relatively clear that they had kind of been like just take it easy cautious is vandy we're gonna win by 40 almost no matter what we do and <clears throat> yeah lo and behold that's exactly what happened <laughs> and so um and then in the orange bowl yeah i mean i i agree that has definitely been something we just straight up haven't seen uh the orange bowl is probably the only instance where we've seen him have a, a number of opportunities and miss them sometimes but yeah, I mean, he's so huge. Go out there and run some people over, my man. Like seriously, you could steamroll some boys out there, uh, and it'd be a game changer. I mean, a total it really would game be. changer. I I mean, he he has he yes, has Cam a Newton rocket. Size. Yes, almost identical. I think we covered this before mm -hmm. the season when he was supposed to start the first season with Eiple. He was the starter, of course. And I remember talking before that season being like, he is literally the exact same size as Cam. He's Newton. massive. I mean, we've both stood next to him several times. Yes. He's huge, massive, huge. And, and on top of that, uh, has a more powerful arm than most guys that play football. If not all of them, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous how far he could throw the football, but, uh, Honing, honing all of that in, but yeah, the running element, it was just so huge with Hooker last season and some of the biggest moments last year of him extending drives that were close to dying and, and carrying Tennessee when he just had no other option out there. And I mean, you just look at Milton's size and you go, man, you could destroy some dudes. There's a lot and, left there that, that we haven't seen. Exactly. And it, it feels like if he could maximize it in full, he could have at the top end of his ability would be a, a shocking season uh, you know, where he fully harnessed the physical traits that he's been given by God. I, I, I mean, I think it would be wild how good of a season he could have, but you know, it's Gotta do it. <laughs> much, much easier said than done. Mm -hmm. It's all the, it's all there. Yeah, he has to actually go out and do it. It's a head game. And, you know, you don't know exactly where he's at there. He seems extremely confident, but you have one bad game and you don't know where you end up after that. And so, yeah, that's huge. As far as defense goes, I mean, 
yes, having a great pass rusher, the the way that it takes a lot of the pressure off of your DBs at that point, because I the DBs should be better this season, but you still it's not like you brought in a, a whole you know pallet of five stars that you can just draw from at the defensive back position now. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you need the help and it, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be Derek Barnett where he's setting the all-time sack record, but just somebody who's a major disruptor that makes some noise like that would just change, <laughs> kind somebody of change that, everything. It's gotta be somebody that teams are like, we've got to account for that guy. Like yes. you have to have that present. And Byron Young was kind of in that neighborhood. Like I think Byron closed. Young, I think Byron Young was still learning how to play football. The dude's a freak athlete. He's fast. He, he might play. He might start for the Rams this year. I mean, he's in a position where he might go from Tennessee to you know playing beside Aaron Donald. He's he's kind of in the mix there and and has a landed in a situation where he'll get an opportunity. But even Byron Young wasn't quite to the level last season that I think you've got to have to win a championship. I mean, it's got to have you know college game day before is doing like a, a little breakdown on how do you stop this guy like that those are the championship teams have that guy i mean we just have to face it they do and tennessee needs that well i, I think a dude that a lot of people are looking at different position but you know you're looking at aaron beasley as just a serious disruptor mm -hmm. and hopefully he could be like a honey badger type guy I'm not saying he's not saying he's Tyron Matthew. I can see the comments now from from people, but that type of player that's just kind of flying all over the field. Yes, I mean he at that Orange Bowl, he was everywhere, and hopefully that continues and just keeps getting better because he's an absolute dude. Uh, but you, I mean, you got a lot of guys where you look and you go like, man, let's let's have a breakout year. Like I I can see the potentials there, uh, especially those young guys where you saw just in 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 flashes in their moments where they. We're given their opportunities where you go like, oh, you could be good. Look at that right there. And and just go out there and actually harness it. Man, oh, I hope so. The potential's all there. Tennessee, you know, the, the AP rankings and coaches poll is going to start coming out in the next few weeks. Probably, I got to think, what, next week? With all of on. Tennessee's yeah. probably going to be in that 10 to 12 range, I'd say. 9, 9 to 12 range, somewhere in there. Yeah. I don't know. No, we're lower than 15. I think you'd be hard pressed after last year. You didn't lose a ton. You're, you're bringing back a quarterback, the one year, the orange bite. Surely I, and, and Joe Milton made so much noise over the off season. He's kind of, he's a chic pick for like a Heisman dark horse. You know, I, I think Tennessee will have a little hype again. I, it's a different conversation, but like, do we want that? <laughs> Dad, do we want that hype? Yeah, that is something, you know, before we go, that's something that, that Tennessee really, if they had a a thing that kind of cost them last season, running into a really good Georgia team that I'm not sure what else you could have done that night. Georgia played really well. The crowd was was a factor. Tennessee didn't execute. It was just a perfect storm for, for Georgia to easily win that game. But Tennessee did not play well when they didn't play with that kind of edge or chip on their shoulder. That Kentucky game was the yep. last game where it was like, okay, everybody's like Tennessee's for real now. You know, they went to number one in the playoff rankings the week after that, which which I thought was a at the time we said that there was an argument for it. I think we were all a little surprised that they leapfrogged Georgia. And I think that gave Georgia a lot of motivation for that game. It did. And the flip side, Tennessee was filling themselves a little bit, I think, at that point. And rightfully so. I mean, they were playing lights out football uh, that whole month of October. And then they kind of got back on track against Missouri. And then all of a sudden, they're back in the playoff conversation. 
South Carolina comes up, nobody's given South Carolina a chance. Not even South Carolina people are giving South Carolina a chance after they came off that Florida loss. And they got complacent. I mean, Omari Thomas talked about it at SEC media days. They got a little complacent. Aaron Beasley said it after the game. And then he was one of the few defensive players that played really well that night. It's like, we just thought that we were going to win this game. We just thought we were going to walk in there and it'd be handed to us pretty much. And you cannot go into any SEC game uh, with that type of mindset or you will lose. I don't care if it's Vanderbilt or who it is. You you will lose because there's talent on the other side of the ball. So that was the one thing. It's still it was year two. They're still learning. Josh Heupel's still building that program. Tough way to learn a lesson, but I do think they learned a hard lesson last season. So hopefully that's not something that carries over into you know twenty twenty three. They're still, still going to have some tough games. It doesn't matter if they have an edge or a chip on their shoulder or what. They're going to be hard to win. But you go in there thinking you have it won, and uh, you're definitely not going to win then. No doubt. I. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, so I, God, I'm just nervous about this season, but in a in an excited way, super excited. Love that the season's right around the corner, but I I just usually, you know, I've spent 15 years just kind of kicking my feet up, being like, you know, if we have a good season, it'll be unexpected. That'll be great. And then suddenly there's legit real expectations, and I'm just like, oh man, ah, are we are we actually going to do this? Is this really? Ah, ah we'll see. Uh I think that's it. That's a show. Oh, Big Ten Jeffs in the comments. He said, Charlie, when are you bringing me on? I do I do need to settle up on that bet, don't I? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> we'll work something out, Jeff. I'll I'll message you on Twitter, maybe. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, well, yeah. If if you don't know, I bet Jeff that Jalen Hyatt would have more receiving yards against Georgia than Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison did do that. But uh Harrison didn't even finish the game. That's true. He didn't. It was an impressive performance. But that kid's gonna be good. We can't. I mean, I don't care oh, where he great. goes to school. He's gonna be a really good NFL player. He's he's an, an excellent athlete. There is no doubt uh, about that. Um, oh, Elo Gray. I think he, and I think this guy's an Alabama fan. He said, "Do you think the Vols will make the playoff?" Honestly, Man, it's so it's so. I early. think. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I gotta see them play a couple of games. But yeah, I don't know. I would, I, the the potential is there i think that's 100 percent true nobody thought it was there last year and they yeah. if they beat south carolina they would have been in the playoff there's no like you can't even dispute that that's what would have happened they were that close a year ago i don't know i, I think they could absolutely we gotta see what joe milton like how this offense really looks with joe milton exactly. as the guy you know for more than two games for more than a half i mean we need to see how it looks against virginia that first non-conference game, I think it's Austin P, and then you know that Florida game will kind of really be when we know really what Tennessee's got this season. I think. Yeah, I I got it. I mean, if Joe Milton's cooking, poof, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the defense, Uber you know, talented. definitely has to play better too. Yeah, that <laughs> that that true. That true. That too. That true. Yeah. Uh, that, true. <laughs> that true. Uh, okay. Charlie Burst, Zach Reagan. This has been the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody for watching. The Alabama fans, the Ohio State fans, but more than both of uh, y'all, the Tennessee fans that tune into the show. <laughs> we can't thank you enough. Seriously, you keep this thing afloat. Uh, you're the reason we got sponsors, and and uh, we can keep doing this. So thank you so much to everybody for watching. Uh, we're going to have actual real football uh, this coming week to actually talk about. Well, it's, you know, 
fall ball, but close enough. It's right around the corner and we're going to discuss it all. And we will talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.